Hey guys. We're doing a more light-hearted video today. We've had our YouTube channel for like four years and we've never shared the story of how we met. So we thought it would be fun to share our story with a little context around it of... Of the reason why we've never shared our story. <laughs> yeah. The whole point of our YouTube channel is to change culture through family. You know, so we're obviously very big on people getting married as a way to change culture. With that comes all of these amazing love stories and miracle stories and testimonies, which are awesome. I mean, it really encouraged both of us. Yeah. Testimonies of other people, how they got married, especially if you don't know. Especially if you're having troubles. That's right. <laughs> we, like we, we were. were having <laughs> and so miracle stories, praise God for miracles. We love miracles. But as you always say, it is better to be blessed than to need a miracle. And so for a lot of people whose love story is, oh yeah, I met her in high school, high school sweethearts, we got married, been married 10, 20 years. Like, praise God, that is a blessing. That's a blessing story that is to be praised, honored, celebrated, because it's a wonderful thing. Now, the fact that some people need miracles doesn't mean that your story isn't amazing or that... Don't compare. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because in our culture of Hallmark and romance and all this stuff, People with crazy miracle stories are the ones who always get celebrated and made into stories. Whereas I think what we've really been trying to do with our channel is celebrate normal, normal <laughs> blessings. So that's why we've been hesitant to share. Yeah, we shared our single journeys in two different videos. I'll link those below. We were originally planning on doing those two and then this video and then we never did this video. Mm -hmm. So we're doing it now. Here's a good analogy. If you prune a tree, early, all you need are snips. But if you let it get into a tangled mess, you're going to need the miracle of a chainsaw. <laughs> and so, and so a lot of people celebrate the chainsaw stories because they're such dramatic <laughs> changes. And so I think what we're saying is miracles are great, but it, a miracle means that there was a ton of blessings that didn't happen beforehand that other we people just take for granted. Yeah. And I think that's uh, our encouragement to you. If you are in a season where you are crying out for a miracle of God, I just want to be married. Um, may our testimony be a testimony for you to say, God, you did it for them. You can do it for me too. Amen. Okay. So setting the scene, I'm going to give you all the girly details. Scott, if he was telling this story, it would be like five minutes long with no details. So we actually haven't shared our story in a while. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's see if we remember these things. This was seven years ago. I went to South Africa on a mission uh, trip. It was three months, a missions internship with some friends of mine that I had met in America at a mission school, Josh and Rachel. Josh is South African, Rachel's American. I went to mission school when I was 24 and they had told me if you ever wanna to come to South Africa and help us, you're more than welcome to. So fast forward to now I'm 25, a year after mission school, I'm wondering what I'm doing with my life. I've shared this in many of our other videos. God made it very clear that I was supposed to go to South Africa. He provided all the finances. And February 1st of 2016, I get on a plane, go to South Africa all by myself. That was a wild adventure in itself. Maybe I'll share that story some other day but we're focusing on our love story. So also at this point, I'd never had a boyfriend, never been on a date, but obviously I still really wanted to be married. And so I go to South Africa and I'm there for three months. And what I was doing there was working in a rubbish dump, which how would you describe Stony Drift? Basically it was a community of Gaza people who 
turned a dump site into a village. A shanty town. Yeah, like they took all of... It wasn't like a garbage site. It was construction stuff. Garden refuse. I was going to say, was there garbage stuff there? Maybe. I mean, I think it was their own trash. Sure. <laughs> so... It was disgusting. Honestly, I had no idea what I was going into. I, like, you know, you see pictures of Africa and you have this idea of what you think it's going to be. This was a thousand times worse than what I thought it was going to be. There was smoke every day. They were burning the rubbish. This is disgusting, but I think every time I blew my nose my entire time I was there, it was black. But there was a preschool in the middle of this rubbish dump, and so that was basically my role. The three months of being there was helping run this preschool and then soup kitchen, and then the afternoons we did a community garden. I loved working with the kids. You would get super dirty, but it felt very purposeful. It was so enjoyable. Did that for three months. It's now April and I have two weeks before I'm getting ready to head back to America and Josh and Rachel keep bringing up that actually probably a month before I left they kept bringing up this guy named Scott that's coming to visit and it kept getting delayed so you were supposed to come out I don't know like maybe a month into me being there and it kept getting pushed back so like oh he's coming he's definitely coming and I'm sure the thought went through my mind of I wonder who this guy is. Actually, I know that it went through my mind because they talked about him a lot, but I didn't know why they were talking about him so much. I just was like, oh, I wonder who he is. Still, never came, never came, never came. Well, finally, two weeks before I was about to leave, they were like, "That tomorrow's the day, Scott's coming. Pause the scene. Five years before this, I am at Asbury University, very single. At Asbury, they do this like... I can't even remember what they called it, but it was these shows where everyone would get a date and go to this thing that they would put on a performance. No one asked me to go to this thing and I went with all of my girlfriends. That night I went back to my dorm room and I was so sad. I was like, God, all I want is to be married. When am I gonna meet my husband? And in my mind, I felt like I heard five years and I was like, five years? That is way too long. I am not waiting five years. That was not the voice of God and shut it down. But I always remembered that it was April 17th of 2011. Every year I'm like, oh, well, one year down, four years to go, like just joking. So now it is April 17th, the five year mark. And Josh says, Scott's coming tomorrow evening. And of course I'm thinking about this five year thing. I'm like, no, that was not God. You don't overanalyze this. Love is a choice. You don't just make this type of thing. God happen. told me you were my husband. So I just, you know, pushed it aside as best as I could. So then the next night was the night that you came. So now what was your up to this point? Yeah, I had been... You went to Vietnam. Yeah, I'd been... I backpacked in America, backpacked in Vietnam. And I was preparing to go to California to join a mission school there. And so I was busy wrapping up and finishing up in South Africa, saying goodbye to all my friends. And that's why I was going to go down and visit Josh and Rachel, was to go visit them before I left. And with my work, I just had to keep delaying and delaying and delaying until eventually I had an opportunity to go down to... East London, which was like 10 hours away. Mm -hmm. At that time, I had also, from our earlier videos that we had chatted about this, but I was like, Lord, I suck at trying to find a wife. And I know that there's going to be a thousand single ladies at this mission school. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going there to focus on this mission school. I'm not going there to be distracted by girls. So I made this promise to the Lord that I was now a man nun. 
for the next 18 months or whatever it was going to be. And then prior to that, in January or December, Josh and Rachel had came and visited yeah. you. And he's like, oh yeah, this American girl coming, she's your wife. And I was like, yeah, whatever, dude. Yeah. Whatever. And then you actually... I you forgot f- about it. You forgot about it. Yeah. So then uh, it's now April, you come to visit, and the first night that Scott comes, this family decided to host all of us. So I was there with uh, a few other interns, and we all became pretty close. So there was five of us total, and then Josh and Rachel, and this family had us all over, and then had Scott over. So we're all there before Scott gets there. He walks into this room, and he had long hair at the time. Your hair was probably down to, like, here. He looked like... Tarzan. Wow. <laughs> and I immediately was attracted to him. But I'm like, play it cool. Because I always remember listening to a Danny Silk talk. And he said, you never want to give more away than a guy is willing to give to you. Like, it's okay as a girl to hold back a little bit and keep yourself a little bit mysterious. And I never actually put that into practice. But with Scott, I was like, I'm going to put this into practice. So you came over and you introduced yourself. And we didn't really talk much at all. You just introduced yourself. I introduced myself. And then you walked away. And then we all had dinner. And Scott was kind of catty corner to where I was and I heard the host asking him if he had a girlfriend and I was like okay I need to listen in and hear if he has a girlfriend I heard you tell them no I'm intentionally single (laughs) and I was like okay noted he is intentionally single and I'm gonna start using that phrase for now on I like that I'm gonna start saying I'm intentionally single so that's all I remember from that night do you remember anything So then the rest of the week, you came out and you helped us at Stony Drift with the mission. That first day after, because I kind of just, I didn't ignore you. I just was like, my intention for being here is helping the kids. So I'm not going to make over him that he's here. I'm just going to keep doing what I would normally do. But then at the end of that preschool day, I was playing with some kids on a tire. And I remember you came over and you sat down next to me and you started talking to me. And it's funny because one of our friends that was also there, she took a picture of us. (laughs) I think she knew. Well, I didn't know at the time, but I think everyone was like, looking at us. But again, it was like fun conversation, but that was it. And I was really guarded around you because I remember another day, all of us interns were there and you went around and you asked the group, what are your passions and what you're excited about? And he asked me last and the whole time, I'm like, I don't want to tell him all of my dreams and passions because of that whole mysterious thing. So when he got to me, I was like, yeah, I just want to love God and love people. And that was it. And... (laughs) That was like our interactions. It was very uh, surfacey. And what were you feeling at the time? Yeah, I think for me, I, I was definitely... Because I spent like a whole week there. Obviously, I mean, you're pretty. And so I, was, I thought you were attractive. But I was in this place of no, not interested. Lord, when I get married, I'd like to marry a girl like this. That but, was after like three days of yeah, being there. Yeah, of like, when I get married, I'd like to marry a girl like this. And for me, I really noticed a lot of Scott's character that week, I think because we didn't really have any deep conversations, but I was very aware of you. And when we were working at the mission base, Scott would always come around and my friend Andy and I were the ones teaching the preschool and he would offer us coffee. And I was like, wow, that's really nice. He's making coffee for us. And then we went to a worship night. Usually when we went to this worship night, 
all of the comfortable couches would be taken up by the guys. And when uh, we walked in, Scott was sitting on the couch and he got up and he was like, here, you girls can go sit on the couch. And he went and sat on the floor. Just different things like that that I picked up on and how well you were obviously with the kids. Like the kids loved Scott and they loved hanging all over him and playing with him. So there was things that I was like, oh, I am totally attracted to this guy, but I also don't want him to be totally freaked out by this American girl. And I don't want to give any clue at all that I am interested in him remotely because I don't want to weird him out since he said he's intentionally single. So our last night there, we did a mission of prostitution mission of helping of going out on the street. And we had to partner up make these little treat bags and everyone else partnered up and then you and I were the only ones left. And we were like tying these things together. And I felt so uncomfortable because at that time I really liked you. Do you remember this? Do you remember this at all? I remember like tying the bags and stuff. I just, I don't remember what we talked about. Here's the four sentences that I said. So anyways, we had all these like shared experiences, not a lot of conversation. You ended up staying an an extra day. I didn't know that. I thought your plan was always to stay until the Saturday because the Saturday was always our free day. And this day we were planning on going cliff jumping. We're on our way hiking to this cliff. Every time you would come over to talk with me, something would happen, get interrupted, and I wouldn't be able to talk to you. At this point, I was like, I really like him. If he's gonna start talking to me, I'm gonna talk to him because he's leaving. This is his last day here. And every time we tried to talk, something interrupted us, someone interrupted us. So we ended up going to this cliff and jumping it. Were you doing it just to impress me? Yeah. I was doing it to impress him. We both agreed we would never do that again. No. It's a known jumping spot, but still, it was actually really great. Sharks. Well, someone told us that it was a shark. Could it have been? Someone told us that it was a shark's area. Anyways, we did this whole thing. It was a lot of fun. After that, we went to a friend's birthday party. At that point, we started really talking. You started asking me about my family. I asked you about your family. And again, it felt like we were kind of like getting somewhere and then we would get interrupted again. And then at the end of that night, you said goodbye to all of us. I remember you said to me, maybe I'll see you again someday. And that was it. And he left. And that was it. Like there was no conversation had nothing. Yeah, so I drove 10 hours back home and the whole 10 hours I was conflicted and praying to the Lord of what do I do? Because by the end of that week, I was like, okay, Lord, this is the girl that I want to marry. So what do I do? Because I made a promise, made a promise <laughs> to be a man nun for the next 18 months and I'm going to the school and just there were a ton of dynamics going on in my life that was complicating everything. So the whole 10 hours home, just wrestling with, with what to do and asking the Lord for wisdom. And then that night I woke up in the middle of the night and felt like the Lord said to me, what would you do if you were fearless? And so I was like, well, if I was fearless, I would, and I still didn't know that Kelly liked me at this stage because she was still very like, you said ice queen, like an ice queen. (laughs) And so I was like, well, I would drive back down there before she leaves and see if she's open to pursuing marriage. And this is after us knowing each other for five days. Yeah. Yeah, so, and then my perspective after Scott left, that night I went to my room and I was like, God, my biggest fear in life was missing my husband. And I think I just missed him. And I thought, I don't think I'm ever going to meet another guy like him. And if I do, I'm just going to compare them to him. And I was just so upset. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to bed and 
when I wake up in the morning, I'll probably forget all about him. <laughs> and that didn't happen. I was like more upset. I was like, he's going to go to this mission school and marry some girl in America and you know, all the things. So I decided that I'm going to talk to Josh and Rachel, tell them everything, and they can just tell me he doesn't like me. On Monday, Rachel actually pulled me aside and was like, hey Kelly, do you want to go have lunch with me? And normally we would eat lunch at the school, whatever the mamas would make, we would eat lunch with all the kids. But she uh, took me to the mall that afternoon, Josh and Rachel, well Josh dropped us off at this coffee shop, and I didn't even give her a chance to like say anything. I just, as soon as we sat down, I told her everything. I told her what I was feeling about Scott, how I liked him. I told her about the five year thing. I told her like everything. And the whole time she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then finally she's like, well, Kelly, he really liked you, but you ignored him all week. And I was like, what? Are you serious? I was so upset. She was like, so then I was like, well, now what? He's gone. He lives 10 hours away. I'm now leaving in one week. Now what? She was like, well, I'm sure he'll just message you on Facebook. And I was like, message me on Facebook? This is horrible. Meanwhile, you called Josh. Yeah, I called Josh and said, hey, I'm going to come back down, see where things stand with Kelly. And he said, wait, you don't even know if she <laughs> likes you. And I think that was maybe Rachel's mm -hmm. reason for pulling me aside. So it all worked out perfect. But you were planning on coming down. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it took me another few days Thursday. of work yeah. before I could come and they still didn't tell me. So two days go by and no one's said anything more other than like everyone's excited because now it's like news is out. I like Scott and everyone's pumped about it, excited. But now what? As far as I knew, he would message me on Facebook and that wasn't happening. So on Thursday, I woke up and I felt terrible. I woke up feeling terrible. I felt so sick. I go to Stony Drift to work and every day at this rubbish dump, you would just get so dirty because the kids would hang all over you, pull on your hair. It was just uh, a dirty place. And so I would shower every single day after I came home, I took a shower. For some reason, this day, I felt so sick after coming home from Stony Drift. I fell asleep on my bed without even changing or anything. I wake up to Josh calling and saying, hey, uh, we know this is like the end of your internship because I'm leaving now on Monday. He's like, so Rachel and I want to take you out uh, to dinner tonight. So I'll come pick you up. So I was like, okay. I was like, you know what? Josh and Rachel already seen me like this all day today. I'm not even going to change. I don't know why I didn't change, but I didn't. So Josh picks me up, takes me back to their house. I walk in and Rachel's like, oh, what are you wearing? And I was like, I know. I was like, I just didn't feel good. And again, I'm not reading any of the signals. So they're like, okay, before we go get food, let's go have coffee on the back patio. So again, m nothing is on my radar. I walk out the back of patio and you're standing there with this big thing of like sunflowers and it was so awkward. Awkward. <laughs> awkward. It wasn't awkward from like seeing you. It was awkward because I walk well, out and Josh and Rachel are like <laughs> peering around the corner. No, I mean, it was also awkward because the whole week before that, we hadn't, we hadn't had any like, we didn't know define the relationship. Yeah. It was like, now it was like, Oh, by the way, I like you. And I think I was nervous cause mm -hmm. I really did like you and I'd never had a boyfriend before. And here this guy drove 10 hours to come talk to me. So we got in the car, actually Rachel gave me clothes to change into and we got in the car and drove to the beach. And on the way we talked about everything. I think I asked you like, what happened last week? And you told me your whole thing of 
your commitment to God of him being single. And that was three weeks before we met that he had this conversation with the Lord. And then I told him where I was. Over the course of those next four days, we talked about mm-hmm. everything you could possibly talk well, about. It was basically four days to decide whether all of our plans after this needed to change. Yeah. Um, and I think basically by the end of the four days, I was like, okay, we have to be totally happy with knowing everything we need to know about each other because I'm going to come meet your parents. Yeah. We talked about our past. We talked about money. And I was so nervous to tell Scott I had student loan debt because to me that was a deal breaker. And it was our... So that was... You came back on a Thursday. That night we talked about a lot of things. Friday we went back to Stony Drift. It was my last day at Stony Drift. And this was another cute story. So the week before, the Friday before uh, at Stony Drift, when Scott and I were around each other, all of the mamas were like... Uh, they called me Noklunga because they give everyone a name. So my name was Noklunga. They're like, Noklunga, come here. And they were like, you must marry that man. And I was like, shh, like, don't say that too loud. And I had not told anyone that I liked him. But I told them, I told these mamas, I was like, Tandaza, which means pray. And they're like, oh, we are praying. We are praying. They're like, you're tall. He's tall. It's perfect. And I was like, okay, well... If that's your standard for it's a sign. Perfect. Then we'll take it. So it was my last day at Stony Drift, and I usually ride in with Josh and Rachel, but obviously Scott had came back, so we rode in to Stony Drift together, and all of the mamas are like cheering because you're back, and it was so fun. So that felt like a like neat ending to my time there at Stony Drift, and then the whole weekend we spent talking about everything. I told you about my student loan debt, and you were like. Okay, it's not a deal breaker. Like, I can see that this is a burden for you. It's not like you joyfully have debt. And I was so relieved. So then, yeah, at that point, we pretty much decided we were going to get married. You just mm-hmm. needed to meet my family. Yeah. That Monday morning, you picked me up and we went and watched the sunrise. And then took me to the airport mm-hmm. and flew back to America. And then it took me... Two months. About two months to be able to change all my plans and get across to your family yeah and thankfully you already had your visa because Mm -hmm. of your trip the year before so we really feel like god was faithful in preparing scott to be able to Mm -hmm. come to america without much issues we could probably go into more details of another time of the story of when you came to america but the short version is you came to america met my family ended up being able to live with my now Mm brother-in-law i lived with my sister scott lived with her then boyfriend and they're now married. It was six months from mm-hmm. when we met to when we got married. Because we got married yeah. in the fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I journaled a lot from the time I was like 19 all the way until I met Scott. I had journaled all the time. I had written prayers for my husband in my journal. And it was so fun after having met Scott to then go back and look at all of those prayers. And see how God had answered all of those prayers. I mean there was one point that I... One night was drawing like this map of the world in my journal and I just was asking God who needs prayer in the world and I wrote down the names that I felt came to my mind and in Africa I wrote down the name Scott which how I needed prayer (laughs) and so there was just so many cool things so if you are in a season of singleness I highly encourage you to use this season praying for your husband because I can see just how faithful God was in answering all of those prayers during my single years. It also gives you momentum of something to do with that desire when you have the desire to be married, but 
you're not meeting anyone and you don't have mm-hmm. anything to do with that, praying for your husband is an actionable item. And yeah. writing those prayers down, and, and they don't even have to be like super specific, but the ones that were felt super specific to me that I felt was an inspiration from the Holy Spirit, I did write those things down. And I'm so glad that I did because I can see how God was working in your life through my prayers. And so I think it's just a testimony of God sees you in secret. He will reward you openly, but this time doesn't have to be wasted. And you can pray for your husband, your future husband right now. And Proverbs 31, she does him good, not harm all the days of her life. So you can be doing your future husband good right now in this season. And so one final encouragement as well is if you see the value of marriage and you want to be married, If you are dating someone or interested in someone, don't wait years and years and years before you make a decision to get married or not. You can very quickly get to the important values that will guide your life and what is your wife joining? What is the mission? What are the values? You can very quickly get to that point if you're not delaying. That's why you always say make a timeline of three months. Yeah, get everything out on the table as soon as possible of this is uh, my past, this is uh, what I value, and this is where I'd like to to go. And of course, things change. I mean, who we were when we got married has changed. What we're totally. doing compared to what we thought we would be doing has changed. But those values that underpin it were shared. And I think the main value was it was obvious that both of us wanted to live a life of obedience to mm-hmm. God and were willing to do anything for Him. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was a huge thing. Like, all the other values were great, but I could see that you were living a life of surrender to the Lord. And that was the deepest desire of your heart. And I think you saw that in me. So it's okay if things change because Mm -hmm. we changed together out of a heart of obedience to God. Yeah. So you can get to the point very quickly of, Hey, over three months we can figure, do we get married or not? When the three month point comes, if you're not excited about it, then don't waste time because Years and years dragging on of dating people is what prevents you from meeting someone you would be uh, well-suited to or excited with. And I'll also say with us, we met through mutual friends. So Mm -hmm. there was borrowed trust from Josh and Rachel. It wasn't like we just met super random. I think if we were random and transient, then I think it would have been very quickly, as quickly as possible, move to mutual context. So go meet family go to their church, meet their friends, see who they are in the presence of mutual people Yeah. as quickly as possible. Yeah, that way it's like they are really who they say they are. We didn't have to worry about that because mm-hmm. I couldn't fake being someone else with Josh and Rachel there and you couldn't fake being someone else with Josh and Rachel there. And then it was, next step, you coming to meet my family. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I didn't get to meet your family before we got married. Well, actually... Week before the wedding. Two days before. Two days before the wedding. Three days? I'm trying to remember. Mm -hmm. Two or three days before we got married. You can get it done. You don't have to do this whole years of of dating and torturing yourself if your desire is to remain pure for marriage. Yeah. Praise God and God bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can support our channel by leaving a review on Apple Podcast, or if you would like to purchase from our shop, our website is 
home with Kelly, K-E-L-L-I dot C-O. We have organic rooibos that we bring in from Scott's home country of South Africa. It is a delicious, no caffeine tea, loose leaf. It is so good, iced or warm. And I also have some vintage home goods in the shop and I make some hand-bound journals which are also available. We hope that everything that we share is an encouragement and a blessing to you and your family.